0: to Week in Review, where we recap events and issues pertinent to central Illinois. I'm WMBD Radio News Director Will Stevenson. A lot has been said, asked, and answered in the last month or so about a proposed riverfront park in Peoria. This past week, the Peoria City Council got their first real look at the proposal for such a park, which has been in the works for years. It was referred to as a 30,000-foot view of such a park, meaning the plans aren't final. That's something the City Council asked about, too. But while we've heard plenty from the City Council this week in news reports about the plan, you probably have not heard a lot about the ideas themselves. So, in the first part of this program, we'll take an extended look through the eyes of Terra Engineering, which developed the plans. You will hear from Terra Engineering Vice President George Garib and senior landscape architect,
1: Kevin Graham. The project limits as it currently stands is from bridge to bridge. Some people might say, why is it bridge to bridge? Uh, Primarily because that's where is the existing uh, riverfront location, park, park location. So how did we start and where did we uh, come up with at this stage? In 2017, we all remember the Water Street uh, Riverfront Village was in a little bit of a uh, structurally bad shape Uh, the city made the decision to uh, demolish the building at that stage we had a couple of public involvement meetings Um, through that uh, we developed what what technically you see on the on the on the presentation slide there a small small location of where possibly we isolated that uh, parcel by itself developed a small park. However, uh, that was back in 2018. However, the the city staff, which I really uh, commend for for their vision, said why don't we take that a little bit more and stretch out the limits of the park, uh, going a little bit from one side of the bridge to another. Primarily because some of the uh, public involvement comments that we received requested why don't we have a uh, a uh, fountain why don't we have a a climbing wall some of the other amenities that you can have in a park so the city staff made the decision to go ahead and uh, expand the location of the uh, riverfront park throughout this process from 2017 till now we roughly had about i would say 20 plus public involvement meetings started out by developing a uh, citizens' advisory group uh, which we met at the museum, met at uh, Gateway Building several times. Uh, The actual uh, members of the citizens' advisory groups were the people who actually developed the vision that you see now at the riverfront. We've had many meetings. Uh, We've met with council members. We've met with uh, throughout this whole process up till today. Actually, today, this past, the last few hours of today, we met with uh, some members of the Riverfront uh, uh, Market, and we made some adjustments to the to what you will see today. Actually, to so you can, so we can accommodate uh, the Riverfront Market and the future of the Riverfront Market. I'm going to introduce Kevin, who's our chief landscape architect, and he's going to walk us through some of the details. And I'll come back and walk you through some of the parking requirements and so forth.
2: My name is Kevin Graham. I'm the Senior Landscape Architect for and Planner for Terra. Throughout the project and throughout this process, we have always held to the one tenant in this project that this needs to be a resilient park. But how do we define what a resilient park is? It's land, it's the water, it's the habitat, materials, social, economic, all these components. But it's also really hyper-focused on the flooding. We know the park floods, and what we need to design is a park that is resilient in how it bounces back, how efficient, how easy it is for the staff to bring this back online. So that is part of this plan as we go forward. So. What we did through all those myriads of public involvement that, you, that George talked about, we held a lot of, lot of commonalities through the plan, is how do we connect some of the civic spaces, the museum, the visitor centers, uh, the civic center, how do we connect that into this park that we now just took down a riverfront village, and we can see the river, we can see the water. How do we incorporate play and family, art, and reflection, and cultural activities in the riverfront? Still housing our, our festivals and the entertainment opportunities. And then how do we embody that and bring back more active spaces? And that's kind of what led to this concept plan of move, play, interact, reflect, and festivals more granular, uh, looking at the plan, uh, kind of starting down from the, the uh, we'll call it the south end, um, Bob Michael Bridge, and uh, the more active uh, end of this uh, with features like a, uh, active play, and, and I'll go into more detail and, and zoomed in on all these, uh, but more active play in that area You'll see the center area um, is focused more on the great lawn and flexibility in that space, event space, embodying the farmer's market space. We know that's a great activity along the riverfront, and we only wanted to see it become better and more. So how do we reactivate the gateway building and that space from its fountain that uh, space to um, activity and group gatherings, and then how do we uh, work with uh, the festival area. And a lot of these came through, these ideas came through interactions and meetings with key stakeholders, the park district, um, many business owners, as well as the general public giving us input as to what would engage them into a riverfront park. Looking at a lot of precedents, what has worked in other locations, what hasn't, what has been that catalyst? And what are the lessons learned that we can pull from that? So with that, that generates this plan. and I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through this detailed part, but generally, what you're going to see in this, I'm going to go into each area more specific, but from dog parks to kayak launches to the barge park, we'll spend a little bit of time talking about um, the, the farmer's market, event space, Great Lawn, and the interactive areas and festivals. So to drill down into that a little bit more, I'm going to kind of start in the center area of the park, which is kind of that Great Lawn. That is kind of where we're starting the center. I'm going to work out both ways. The key to this area, I think, is is the word flexibility. And what we've done in this area is expanded the parking, and I wish I had a pointer, but uh, the, the parking that is currently there up along Water Street between Main Street and the entrance to where the river station would be. We've extended a bay of parking there, but then we've extended an additional paved area um, a uh, plaza, pedestrian space, uh, that is flexible, and what we're, I'll show some more details of this, but the idea is to have that um, harking back to the history of railroads in downtown Peoria and along the river, the uh, working river, so we're utilizing, what we're calling for in that plaza is utilizing rails and picnic tables and planters that are on rails that can be moved out of the way and opened up for larger events the farmer's market other events seasonal events a winter festival all types of different opportunities that opens up then onto the uh more we're calling it the great lawn or more open lawn that view we've opened this riverfront up from the riverfront village, we don't want to close it off. And then, one of the things we heard all the way through is getting people connected back to the water, to the river, and not turning our back on the Illinois River anymore. So, this central area now, um, essentially from the current uh, marina docks to the uh, area uh, that was the, the former spirit and the hopefully the new uh, boat that will be there someday, uh, space, stepping that down. I'll show you details of that. The entrance off of Main Street is key and becomes a key central uh, drop-off area Uh, wayfinding area um, as a terminus to Main Street, and as Main Street is uh, looked at in a renovation going forward, this is that key step in that, starting of that, and a nice memorial piece of that.
0: More of the Peoria Riverfront Park presentation with more Week in Review coming up. We continue with the presentation made to the Peoria City Council this week on the plans for a riverfront park in the city from Terra Engineering. Here again are Vice President George Garib and first Senior Landscape Architect Kevin Graham.
2: Looking at some of the key details of this, um, when I said we're kind of looking at kind of how that steps down to the water and bringing a little closer to what normal water level is Again, designed to flood, but having this accessible route, having different stepping <clears throat> configurations. These are very popular for people to lounge on, to sit, have lunch, have that interconnection, I mean, connection back to the river. Obviously with a, a safety rail um, and of that also. When I talked about the, the expanded area of the farmer, the vent space, the, the parking lot, in this view it is showing with cars parked in that, that upper parking zone, and then the other area below that as being uh, pedestrian plaza space. This shows it with the planters, the benches, um, in their normal position. And then, they again, they're on rails. They can be easily moved out of the way. And then market, festival, uh, a seasonal event in the winter uh, would be a great um, feature space for this. This kind of shows just kind of in a quick click how all that operates. Um, Things just... Uh, they will be able to be slid out of the out of the way to open that up, and the key is you know this plaza is that space is be curbless, so easily transferable across the two uh, surfaces. Another feature of the Central Great Lawn is bringing back the swing, and a permanent swings that are uh, lit. Are they're safe? Gives a that kind of that front porch, that front lawn aspect to the river. I talked about the terminus of of Main Street and bringing back uh, how do we reinvigorate that? Uh, it still needs to function as a drop-off space for the park, for events, future boat. Uh, I, what we have identified is. Uh, the five memorials that are along the river, down uh, on the uh, north, I guess the north side of, we'll call it, of the Marie Baker Bridge, bringing those up to a more prominent focal point, and a new, more decorative small fountain feature in this drop-off zone. Just another view of that. Then, as we transition over to the near the Gateway Building, this area we have focused on art and sound uh, in the area of, around the the riverside of the, the Gateway Building. One of the key features is a a is working with local artists in this, and then and it's an art park, and then an interactive fountain. Uh, In front of the gateway building that it can either be an interactive art Added to uh, with lighting and and at night as well as it can be turned off and be you know expanded uh, space for uh, setting up events What does that look like again we envision and and the we're not suggesting this is the art that goes in this this park, we would like to work with local artists to curate what those pieces are. This should have the culture, the history of Peoria embedded into it. And it should have local artists doing those pieces. Everyone likes the Instagram photo and having um, you know a piece of art that is commemorated to being Peoria um, we're not saying it's necessarily the word Peoria, could be. Uh, but having that as that key focal point, I think, is pretty dramatic. And then having the interactive uh, jets that can come up, be lit at night, as part of the, the feature of the terminus of this park. When we talk to the festival grounds, there were a couple of key elements that came out as we talked with the park district and other, uh, entertainment management people is we need better infrastructure there. So what we've identified in the the master plan or the development plan is, is really expanding the infrastructure, electric water in that area. How do we, Build this back so that after the, these large events, the turf can be reinvigorated quicker. So how the planting specifications for that, and again, that's the resiliency of a park. It's not just when it floods. It's when we activate and when we use it, and how do we get that back online as quick as possible. There are two options for, for the, the, the entertainment aspects here. Uh, the park district has already Kind of brought in an area where they can set up the stages uh, the temporary portable uh, The concert stages, but then we see another area down along the river for the band for a band shell that becomes an artistic piece in its own but serves those Evenings, so if you're out there on a Tuesday, well, you won't be on a Tuesday because you'll be here at this meeting, but uh, on an evening meeting where it's a family event, uh, smaller uh, entertainment events uh, on the lawn. And then another view, kind of what that could look like going back towards the Murray Baker Bridge. Looking further, again, down towards the Bob Michael Bridge, we identified this as that active young adult, more active end, and with features that kind of build off of, we heard a lot of the folks from the, the warehouse district and uh, different groups, but how do we activate the, that end with the park is you know with with different features like outdoor fitness stations uh outdoor fitness park not just different stations broken around uh flexible uh courts and volleyball those type of uses not over built with with courts but pulling back some of that parking and then opening that up and then opening up some of that lawn for a dog park and uh kayak launch but I think one of the key features here on this end is we always struggled with the park could get to kind of these buildings in this these three buildings. you have Amron, and then you have the two other uh, private buildings. And how do we get around that? And one of the, the ideas that came to you know kept growing was after the 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 representative had his event out on there on the barge is potentially looking at stacking two barges and creating a barge park this has been done in other cities uh and very successfully and essentially you're floating a barge so it it moves with the water but you're treating it like a green roof and planting so this allows us to get that connection and really make a full connection of the entire riverfront from end to end, and not be bifurcated or stopped short, and what, you know, playground features and what that barge might look like going across and walking across it as a pathway, sitting area, lighting, shade uh, on, the, on that connection.
0: One more segment from the Peoria City Council presentation about a proposed new riverfront park in the city with more Week in Review coming up. Now the final part of the presentation from Terra Engineering on a proposed new riverfront park in the city of Peoria. Here again are senior landscape architect Kevin Graham and Vice President George Garib. Toward the end, you will also hear from Peoria Mayor Rita Ali and Peoria City Manager Patrick Urich.
2: Outdoor fitness, a bigger trend that we're finding far more successful than, you know, putting uh, an exercise feature along a path Every so often, is having these fitness areas. Groups will show, will go out there and work out together. Um, they're guided uh, with this. We actually talk to a, a group that has a grant uh, available to to be a participant in this this type of idea. And then what it might look like from from opening up. What was a very industrial corridor and hardened area to Peoria's new front door, its new entrance into the city. With that, I'm going to let George jump back in to talk about a couple of infrastructure items.
1: Thanks, Kevin. Uh, part of part of what uh, was the challenge is to come up with uh, uh, some money for. Um, The flood protection, everybody talks about flood protection along the riverfront, mainly along uh, the river station building and uh, along where the existing wave attenuator that was used to protect the existing spirit of Peoria. We worked really diligently with uh, IEMA and FEMA the last year, and we were very successful to get a grant for almost $300,000 to start the design process. The actual construction of both of those uh, uh, the removable flood wall, and I'll show you how it, it, some of the details of it, and the wave attenuator. The actual cost of construction will be around three million, but the design portion of the money that we were able to get will get us will get our foot in the door, so we can apply eventually for a brick grant that ca- covers the construction. The engineer part of me always likes to show some drawings, so this is what will look like the wave attenuator. It will sit on piles. But it will act not only as a wave attenuator to protect the future boat, but also will act as a uh, observation deck so people can actually come a little bit more closer to the wall. Uh, The flood protection, this is what's been done in Davenport. We're using something of similar nature. Uh, This is a portable. Uh, uh, Normally we know when the flood comes in. So we can erect the posts and put the blank walls in between and off we go. And whenever the flood uh, recedes, then we can come back and do that again. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about uh, parking in downtown Peoria. A lot of discussion, and I'm sure a lot of you have been feeding calls about parking in downtown Peoria. We actually uh, took the center portion of the Riverfront Park and made an inventory of all the parking around uh the riverfront area, within five minutes walking distance from the center of the riverfront park, we have over 3,000 parking spots downtown. Over 3,000. So let's take that and focus a little bit more on where the front, front, uh, where the riverfront is, from Water Street down to the riverfront. Um, and we broke it down by zones. We actually took zones there, and we uh, a total of existing parking spots of 549. The new proposed is 559, so we actually gained 10 more parking spots on the riverfront. So um, Now, take it for granted that some of these parkings have been reassigned to complement the new uses of the park, so it's not going to be exactly where it was, but we didn't lose a lot of parking, and we extended the parking both to the north and the south especially to the north where uh, the Michaels Bridge is with the, with the foreseeable future that hopefully we can get uh, in the Gateway Building, a rail station. We've expanded the parking there to take that into consideration as well. To, to accommodate the riverfront, park, the riverfront Market, downtown Peoria, which is a great venue, uh, 5,000 people or so come every Saturday, uh, not only we, we went there and watched the riverfront market operation on his, on several Sundays. We actually put cameras, and where you see those red red-green dots, those are locations of cameras that we actually videotaped the location for seven days. And we made an inventory of all the vehicles coming in and coming out of the parking at all these locations and at all the parking locations there. And at no one point in time, the actual The highest peak of parking was at 2 a.m. in front of Kelleher's. We all know where that is, um, which doesn't even come close to the proposed future parking we have. So we are actually exceeding the parking spots that we have capacity for. Now, all of this park is great and wonderful. Uh, It's gonna require uh, safety and security. That's where our police uh, comes into play. Um, In addition, from our perspective, we are going to use permanent lighting. We're going to use uh, uh, cameras and security cameras. There's been a lot of studies that's been done that, you know, people people question, why do I want to go downtown now to the riverfront? There's nothing there and it could be dangerous. Well, when you change the atmosphere and change the dynamics, there's been a lot of studies that. Compliment this fact that changing that dynamics changing the momentum will make the area even sort of self-policing and make it a little bit more safer more safer. So to close this off uh, We were from day one Took into resiliency into the, into play We gained about 18 and a half acres of uh, green space four miles of walkways Roughly don't quote us on this roughly over 900 trees and green infrastructure all throughout Um, With that, I want to close, and uh, before I close, I want to thank you all uh, for listening to us and for giving us the opportunity to work on this project. This project will really transform downtown Peoria for generations and generations and generations to come, and I really thank you, Madam Mayor, Honorable Madam Mayor, esteemed council for the opportunity to uh, get us involved with this project, and we'll take some questions
3: thank you mr garib and thank you mr graham a lot of extensive work and time and effort has been put into this It's very impressive and I'm sure we'll have some questions I just wanted um, uh, mr. manager if you would just verify that all the land that's in this plan is owned by the city of Peoria
2: thank you mayor yes Uh, all the land is owned by the city other there there are the three buildings the edgewater building the amaranth building and then the uh what used to be the crooked waters building i'm showing my age with that one in town Um, those three buildings are privately owned everything else is all part of uh, the city is acquired so that's it's uh, city-owned property we uh, as you know there we can see that we have representatives from the Park District that are here in the audience this evening we contract with the Park District to maintain and program the space along the Riverfront so they're uh, our partner in this effort and you know obviously Um, any additional maintenance responsibilities or programming responsibilities we'll be partnering with them to do that okay
3: great and mr garib if you could speak to um, well the total cost of this proposed project and knowing that we may not have all the money at first at one time how do you phase it in based upon Getting say an initial 20, 25,000 or fifteen thousand. How how do you phase this in? Where where do we start?
1: Thank you. That's a great question. So, uh, part of the construction cost of this, we don't have an actual construction cost. Uh, so the cost average is right now between fifteen to twenty-five million. So it's a big range, and uh, part of the reason is we are at thirty thousand f- foot high. When we come closer we could tweak the the design a little bit more whether depending on how much money we have the money is available from you know the city got uh, uh, dco money for 15 million
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, it's uh, interesting to know that we started making rounds of presentations for you know community stakeholders and uh, already we've been outreached by or reached out by several members of the community to participate in this. So once you implement, start implementation of this, I'm sure we will get a lot, lot more people involved. So there's an opportunity for private-public de- development. We've, we've been approached for people that want to uh, help with the fountain on Main Street. We've been approached by people that want to help with the shell on, uh, uh, for the uh, uh, entertainment. Mm-hmm. We've been approached by people that wanted to help with the lighting and the big jets. So there's a lot of opportunities for this. Now, if we get all the money before we start, we'll we'll probably build it uh, all together, but of course we are not, never at one point we're gonna say, hey, we're gonna close Water Street down, everything is shutting off, and then uh, we're gonna start building a park. We will phase that into construction depending on, on how much money we have.
0: Peoria Mayor Rita Ali, City Manager Patrick Urich, and from Terra Engineering, George Garib and Kevin Graham. You can download a copy of the Riverfront Park presentation made to the City Council this week by going to WMBDRadio.com and finding the story in our local news section. We'll move on to a big event next week with more Week in Review coming up. We'll conclude our program this week with former Peoria County Sheriff and current Washington, Illinois Chief of Police, Mike McCoy. The annual St. Jude Memphis to Peoria run kicks off in a couple of days and of course Mike McCoy's behind the whole thing. He talked about it with WMBD's Greg Batten and Caleb Kelch.
4: The history of the Memphis to Peoria run, which Caleb, by the way, is also one of the runners uh, started from a conversation if I recall.
5: Started a conversation <clears throat> we were at Landmark one night a guy named Gene Pratt and I marking people as they run laps for St. Jude and they raised about I don't know, $7,000 that night. And we started thinking there had to be some way to take this running craze. This was 1980. Yeah, it was a big 81. deal then, yeah. Yeah, a big deal just starting. And we said, we'll run from Peoria, which has the first and largest affiliate in the country of St. Jude. Mm. And we'll run from Peoria to Memphis. We'll run back. And then, true story, we looked at a map and started laughing. That was 1,000 miles. <laughs> that was the dumbest idea we ever had in our lives. So he we said, well, let's let's modify it. Let's drive to Memphis, and we'll run back. 465 miles. Yeah. So, you know, the first year, there were 19 of us that did it, and it just about didn't make it. It was terrible. It, everything that you could think of going wrong. Well,
4: was, the famous story is before you even made it to Morton, you one of the RVs burned up, right? Yeah, yeah. Ray,
5: Ray Becker gave us a motorhome to use, and we got across the bridge and got to Pinecrest, and yeah. somebody said, well, the motorhome's on fire, and we all laughed, thought they were joking. <laughs> Turned around, smoke coming of burned to the ground. There's a lot of great people involved, you know, there are six people, you know, Ryan Beck, Ryan Jones, uh, Judd Swan, Spencer Swearge and Jay Fox. Are, you know, each team has three leaders or two teams, and, and these guys really work work hard. It's an all-year effort, as you know, and, and um, having people like Caleb along is huge.
4: Caleb Kelch, how many years have you been running now?
5: This will be my sixth.
4: This is six. And yeah. How many for you? Forty-two. Forty-two. You got some catching up to do, <laughs> Just brother. Just a little bit. Yeah. You'll be all right. You'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> the uh, and, and it's always been clear from you whenever you talk about it. It's not a race. It's not a running event even. It's a fundraising event. Absolutely. We're trying to cure cancer.
5: Absolutely.
4: Uh, and the good news, uh, remind me of the chances of a child living back 42 years ago versus today.
5: 8% in nineteen or in, in 1982, 8% overall what, at St. Su- Jude. What, survived? Success, survived, if, with wow. most, that was the average. Now the average is above 80% and certain forms of cancer like the most prominent, ALL, mm-hmm. 94% now are surviving. And so uh, one of the things that keep me going is uh, it's working.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah, my gosh. Yeah. Tell me some other things that have gone that well. And I, I don't have a list. Yeah, no. I don't have a list. And so every dollar that you donate to a St. Jude runner, whether that's these two fellows or anybody you know that's doing it, uh, goes to make sure that that keeps getting better. It gets 100% all the time.
5: Yep. Uh, Bob Jokish, my good friend Bob Jokish yeah, Bob. played football at Notre yeah. Dame, you know, and he said, uh, curing cancer is, he says, you start out your own goal line. He said, it's the first 90 yards are easy. It's the last ten yards yeah, that are tough, yeah. and that's a great analogy for for curing cancer. You know, it's it's tough, and they keep building buildings, they keep hiring researchers, and the and the the, the success rate goes up uh, every year a little bit.
4: I I don't recall if I know the answer to why you started. Why besides you were sitting there with Mr. Pratt, and you were helping out, but what what was your motivation to be even involved?
5: You know, uh, Jim Alouf was a good friend of my father's, and okay. and so became a good friend of mine, and and I started doing things in eighth grade for st jude oh no kidding so uh this was just a a way to it was a st jude event and we just uh thought that the running event would would be good and so 77 million dollars later it's good how
4: many 77 77 million that's pretty good man (laughs) i want to talk about the other runs in a second what is your motivation
2: for running well i think um i mean i I have two reasons the one reason is like why not you know that's always kind of been right. in the back of my head like of course I, I, this Do is something good. that's yeah. really important to me yeah. and then also uh, it, my dad's side of the family as well um, he had a niece and a nephew who both had uh, cancer as uh, teenagers and one in particular was a St. Jude patient and uh, both did pass and so um, you know, that's that's another just motivation yeah. to make sure that doesn't happen again.
4: Do, the, do you think most people have a personal connection why they run?
5: I, I think it's about fifty yeah, fifty. You know, yeah. a lot of people. Um, you know, we don't talk about the hospital a lot in our meetings. Sure. We, we just don't say anything. We, we get to Memphis, they see the hospital. We don't have to talk anymore. Yeah, you don't yep. have to talk. No, yeah, are
4: yeah. in. Uh, 8.44, we're talking with Chief Mike McCoy and uh, producer Caleb Kelch is, of course, part of the St. Jude Run. When did the uh, satellite run start spinning around? You
5: know, about 1984, uh, a guy came to us from uh, Galesburg and said, hey, this is pretty cool. Uh, let's do something in Galesburg. And it's a, it's a good bad story. We put an ad in a paper. Gene and I did uh, come to the senior center in Galesburg and learned about the St. Jude run from yeah. Galesburg to Peoria. We went and scheduled a night. We went and bought, I think, uh, uh, five pizzas and a whole bunch of Pepsi, and went there, and, and not one person showed up. Not one. That was a reality check. <laughs> that was. That's when you know you're not as cool as you think you are. <laughs> oh wow. Well, what happened to the guy who thought
4: it was a good well, idea?
5: He was gone, uh. but he recruited a guy, and we met uh, two weeks later, and had three or four people there. And Galesburg has been with us ever since. So oh, that's the, cool. The, yeah, it's pretty cool. How many
4: of them are there?
5: Thirty-five plus Memphis, thirty-six runs total, close to two thousand runners. I think you'll see on the fifth. Um, the good news is, is that we're up two hundred runners over last year wow. total, which is a lot of money. That's very cool.
4: That's a lot of money. That's a lot. <laughs> do you uh, do you have an explanation for that?
5: Uh, I think COVID hurt a little bit, and so we were down because we did a couple years of virtual runs, which was no fun running up and down for me. You know, Cummins Avenue and Kruger Road in Washington (laughs) was no fun. But I but I think that um, you know we have some younger people coming and and that's going to spur interest for mm-hmm. the future and that's yeah. that's what we need is the the young people to continue to participate
4: and hats off to all the folks who put on the telethon at 25 News they they're tremendous oh they're unbelievable um, they're I know Steve Shaw just recently retired from his day to days he's still working on the telethon though um, I can't imagine he'd be away from right. it
5: I think we'll see him sometime <laughs> yeah, <on Saturday laughs> yeah.
4: And, and and again just for folks who like to support you by either donating and or uh, attending the run-in, uh, how does that work then? On so Saturday?
5: we'll be uh, we'll be uh, running into the civic center at five o'clock, uh, right about five o'clock on um, the fifth. Okay. Uh, Saturday night the 5th, and there's going to be, you know, it's open now. Everybody's open. Everybody can come in and see the telethon. There's great. plenty of seating. Uh, there's food. There's all kinds of things they have planned. And um, it's pretty, it's going to be a really exciting year for not only for the runners, but for St. Jude in this area together. You know, we have a great staff here in Peoria that's, that just works really hard to, to make it go.
0: Chief Mike McCoy with the St. Jude Memphis to Peoria run that again kicks off on Tuesday, and that our Caleb Keltz takes part in. That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us at this time next week on this Midwest communications station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in central Illinois. I'm Will Stevenson, WMBD Radio News.